There is a process that is operating or trying to operate in your life every single day. If you're if you're a child of God, how many of you you've been born again, you're saved and you know it, raise your hand, okay? I'm talking to you. There is a process that is trying to operate in your life every single day. It's in verses 28 and 29. Look at it again. Paul said, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. There's a four-part process presented in the verses that, those two verses that we just read. The best way for me to explain it to you is to go to the end of these two verses and work our way backwards. See, Paul's explaining it, and Paul begins, if we could use a, a baseball uh, illustration because it's so close now, if it would just warm up, we could start enjoying baseball. But Paul's explaining it starting with the RBI and working his way backward to the batter at the plate. Well, I'm going to start at the, at the batter and work our way forward to the RBI. We're going to take it in, a, in the opposite order here. I want you to notice the phrase, Brother Rob, if you could turn this mic down just a hair. Notice the phrase, his working, which worketh in me mightily. That's where the process starts, the four-part process. And I'm telling you, Christian, this is going on in your life every day. At least God is trying to get it going. And if you would do your part, it would run smoothly. Four-part process. The first part is this. God is working in me. If you just raised your hand, if you're a child of God, there's something going on in there. There's something going on in there and in there every single day. God is constantly working in you. God is constantly working in your mind. God is constantly working in your heart. God is constantly working in your character. He's working to make you like Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God is working to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. God is working to make you productive for his glory. Philippians 2, 13, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working to prepare you for himself. Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it, who? The church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. God is working on you constantly. He's working to prepare you for eternity, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
You don't look like you're going to look like when you get to heaven. And we're not talking about whether you have a big nose or, or blonde hair. We're not, it's not, none of that. It's talking about your person. You are not yet the person that you're going to be when you get to heaven. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. What does that mean? That means when you see Jesus, everything that has not yet become like Jesus is going to vanish. And all that's going to be left of you is that part of you which has been made like Jesus. It says, for we shall see him as he is. So what he's saying there is when you see Jesus, you're immediately going to only have that part of you which has been conformed to Jesus. Wait a second. It doesn't mean that if you've been living a carnal, worldly Christian life that all of a sudden you're going to be made into a mature Christian. No. It means that everything that has not been made like Jesus over the course of your lifetime will disappear. And what's left for some will be a very strong spiritual person. What's left for others will be a tiny, little, nearly invisible weakling. Because they got saved, but they never made any effort to grow spiritually. They focused on this life. They focused on the here and now. And all of a sudden, they're going to realize that all those advances that they made on earth that had nothing to do with godliness are gone. By the way, I'm not against those advances. God's not against those advances if they're done in the spirit and as part of spiritual growth. But every advancement that you made that was for your own personal gain is gone. And all that's left is that part of you that has been conformed to the image of Christ. I don't know what that little noise is we're getting. It sounds like a literal tweeting there, but I don't think that goes with, with Twitter. But anyway, whatever it is, if whoever it is, if you could silence that, I'd appreciate that. He's working to get us ready for eternity. Are you letting him do his work? God is working in you all the time. By the way, it's in your own best interest. It's not for just his good. It glorifies him. It benefits God, but it benefits you. The best thing you can do is to be ready for eternity. If, if you live a long, 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 long life down here, you might hit a long, long life. You might hit 110. Wow, that'd be a long time. Yeah, but it wouldn't begin to compare to eternity. Why is it then that we invest all of our energy and all of our attention into that maximum? Let's, hey, let's go big. Let's go really big. 120 years. I don't have a chance at 120 years. I don't either. But we're thinking big, 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 120 years, which doesn't even begin to compare with eternity. 
and all of the energy that we put into this 120 years. You should see my, you should see my portfolio. Well, I know one thing, your portfolio is not going to take you past the grave. I believe in preparing for the future. I believe in preparing for future generations. I believe in being stable and responsible and secure, but not outside of the sphere of putting God first. And that's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God's working in you all the time. And here's the thing, I love this. It says he's working mightily. Yeah. God is working in you mightily all the time, or at least he's trying to. If you're letting him, he's working in you mightily all the time. Do you know what the Greek word there for mightily is? It's the word dunamis. Do you know what comes from the word dunamis? Dynamite. God is dynamiting inside of you all the time. He is constantly working mightily in you. That's part one of the process. God works in you mightily. You say, well, what does that do for me? Well, that's the next part. Paul said, if we go to the end of those verses and work our way backwards, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Striving, that's Paul's part. Paul said, so God's working in me, and then according to his working, I'm striving. So part two is, in God's process, God's work in me is what keeps me striving. Striving means fighting. It means enduring. It means overcoming. It means persevering. It means pressing forward. I can overcome because God is working in me mightily. I can grow because God is working in me mightily. I can achieve because God is working in me mightily. I can advance because God is working in me mightily. I can be victorious because God is working in me mightily. I don't achieve because I strive. I achieve because I strive as God works in me mightily. How many of us have tried to strive on our own and failed? And we strive and fail and strive and fail. You only succeed as you strive according as he works in you mightily. Part one of this four-part process, God works in me mightily. Part two, as God works in me mightily, I keep on striving. Well, that brings up a question. What am I striving for? Well, that's part three. Look at verse, start now in the middle of verse 28. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor. Now, in order to understand part three, we have to visit part four for just a second. Part four has to do with helping other people to be perfected in Christ Jesus. And can I take a time out? Our brains get stuck when we hear the word perfect. Our brains get stuck on without sin. You're never going to be without sin in this life. And and we hear perfect, 
And, you know, because we've said nobody's perfect and all those great things, our brains get stuck on without sin. The Bible word perfect is not without, does not mean without sin. The Bible word perfect means perfected, complete. Though you will never be without sin in this life, you can become a complete product, a complete person. You can come to the place where you have, where let God conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, there's always more growing to do. There's always more to learn. There's more more to attain. But the word perfect is not a goal that is unattainable or that we should consider to be unattainable. So, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So let's pretend I'm the Apostle Paul for a second. You say, Pastor, what, what is it? Tell me, put it in a nutshell what you're trying to, to do here. What am I trying to do here as pastor? I'm trying to present every person in this building perfect in Christ Jesus. I'm striving to present Brother Freddie perfect before Jesus Christ. I'm striving to present Tina perfect before the Lord Jesus Christ. And right on to to every last person, every last person in this room, I'm striving so that when you stand before Christ, and it's it's not so I get the credit, it's so he gets the glory because everyone who appears perfect before him, it gives him the glory. So I'm, Paul says, I'm trying to make that happen, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. But notice, and this is why we had to visit part four before we got to part three, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his work. So while I am working to help everyone here grow, I'm laboring to that own end myself. So first part of the process is God is working mightily in me. The second part of the process is that I strive every day. I fight every day. I I strive to overcome every single day based upon the mighty working that he's doing in me. The third part of that process is what I'm striving for that I may become perfect, that I may someday be presented before Jesus Christ a finished product, perfected in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm after for me. That's what I'm striving for, and that's part three. Part three, I labor to be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you, does, does that objective even cross your mind one time? in the process of a week. This is such a shame. This is such a tragedy that we have a lifelong objective. And by the way, if you want to summarize all this in one word, it's called sanctification. The process of God working mightily in me so that I can strive and labor to be presented perfect before Jesus Christ. That, in a nutshell, that's what sanctification is. That's my lifelong objective after I get saved. And yet, 
Is it possible that I could go a, a week? Is it possible that I could go a day without even mentally visiting that objective? And yet we have an entire American 21st century Christianity that doesn't even consider that the reason I'm living is for God to work mightily in me so that I can strive and labor to be presented perfect before Jesus Christ someday. That is what it's all about. That is what we are living for. That is the purpose of life after you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. How is it that we are so bogged down in this idea, this modern Christianity concept of God is just my good luck charm? God's my ATM machine. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and when I need to get a blessing, I visit God. And God, maybe you can wave your magic wand. Maybe you can sprinkle some magic dust over me so that I can prosper at what I want to do. That's what they're selling out there. That's what we're getting in our, in our big uh, conferences, our massive coliseum-filling conferences, and everybody says, oh, isn't he wonderful? Aren't they wonderful? Isn't she wonderful? And oh, she inspires me, and she motivates me, and it's got nothing to do with what Paul said he was doing. Paul wasn't talking about how to be prosperous in your career. Paul wasn't talking about how to be the biggest and the most famous and, and, and the wealthiest. Paul was talking about I want to live my life and God work mightily in me and I want to strive every day that he will make me more like Jesus Christ so that when I see him, I will be perfect in Christ Jesus. That's the three steps, but there's a fourth. And by the way, there are other places in the Bible. Let me, let me visit this for just a second. Philippians 3.12, Paul said this, I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. That's just another way of saying what he says in Colossians 1. God's saying, God, uh, Paul is saying, God and I are after the same thing. And of course, it was his idea. And then as much as says that, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. So he's after me to become like Jesus Christ. But guess what? I've bought into his plan, and I want the same thing. God and I are after the same thing. I want to stand before God as complete as I can be. But guess what? God wants me to stand before him as complete as I can be. Therefore... God keeps working in me. He's working in me mightily every day. He's working in you mightily every day. If you're stuck in a spiritual rut, it's because he has to keep working on the same thing until you put it to work. God keeps working in me. I keep striving for it as he keeps working in me. So part one, God works in me mightily. 
Part two, as God works in me mightily, I keep on striving. For what? Part three, I labor to be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. So how do I labor? And that's part four. Verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Part four, I strive to become perfect in Christ by laboring to help others become perfect in Christ. It's impossible to succeed at bringing other people closer to Jesus without getting closer to Jesus myself. I'm going to go over here to the birthday girl and say, Karina, I'm going to take you over to the organ. And I lead Karina over to the organ over here. Well, guess what? Not only did I lead her up to that organ, I'm there myself. I can't lead her over there without me getting there myself. It's impossible to succeed to bring other, other people closer to Jesus without getting closer to Jesus myself. And so when I am sincerely, and that word sincerely is important because if I'm operating in the flesh, if I'm just trying to build something that makes me look good, then I'm not sincerely striving to lead people to Jesus. But if, if I'm not worried about what you can do to make me look good, if I'm focused on, you know what, I want every person in this, I want every person on my prayer list to become close to Jesus, to be perfected in Jesus. Well, guess what I got to do to pray him over there? I got to pray. See, the tools that I use to lead others closer to Christ are the same tools that bring me closer to Christ. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without the Bible. And I'm not going to be able to deliver you Bible truths unless I'm seeking the Lord in his word. So the same tools that bring me closer lead you closer, or I could say it the other way around. The same tools that I need to bring you closer, bring me closer. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without being in the Word. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without being a man of prayer. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without being faithful to his local church. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without putting God first in my finances, which is tithing and giving offerings. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without being a witness myself. Those are all things that I need to do because that's the way he set it up. I'm not going to lead you closer to Christ without me doing those things myself and leading you to do those things. For some reason, we consider influencing people for Christ to be optional. Bonus. Paul says it's part of the process. Now, take those four parts and listen to them starting at part four, going back to part one, as I read verses 28 and 29. You hear those four parts in reverse. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. 
whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You say, well, pastor, I honestly don't sense that this process is happening in my life. Well, if that's so, it's not because God isn't doing his part. This process is a team effort. Listen carefully, especially if you buy into what you hear me so often call the the pop culture Christian movement, and it's massive. By the way, let me throw you out another warning right here, okay? Every once in a while, I'll throw you out, stay away from this, watch out for this. You watch out for this Shaq movie. That's not S-H-A-Q, in case you haven't heard of it. It's, it's a movie, it's supposedly a Christian movie called The Shack. The, the writer, the author of the book upon which that movie is based, openly believes in universal salvation. That's not an accusation. You can check that out and see he openly espoused, forget the fact that he presents God the Father as a woman and all that nonsense. He openly espouses and embraces the doctrine that we're all ultimately going to be saved. Now, and we have Christians that are flocking to the movie theaters, got to see the shack. And I'm standing here as your pastor saying, would you stay away from that nonsense? That's going to choke the spirituality right out of you. And that's where we wind up when we see a Bible truth like the one. We go, huh? They don't, they don't say I'm not like what, oh man, I almost said Joyce Meyer, but I better not quote her because I don't even know what she's about. They don't, they don't sound like what Joel Osteen said. They don't sound like what, you know, Jesus is calling said. Because we're so filled with this pop culture, unscriptural, unscriptural nonsense that we don't recognize the truth when we see it right there in the Bible. There's nothing more damaging to your personal growth than this false definition of grace that says, just sit back and let God do his work in you. And if you're just sitting back and letting God's grace do its work in you, that's probably why you don't see this process at work. Listen, if you know the Bible just a little bit, you'll know this is true. The New Testament is filled with statements that makes it clear that I must do my part if I want to grow. See, there's two extremes of error. One is the extreme that independent Baptists way too often get caught up in, and that's where all I'm doing is striving, and I'm not letting God work mightily in me. The other extreme is where I just am waiting for God to work mightily in me so his grace, his grace can do its work, and I ain't got to do nothing. Both of those extremes are wrong. Bible Christianity is where God works mightily in me, And I strive according to how he's worked mightily in me. Listen to just a few examples. I I, I bet you I didn't try this, but the ones I did write down were off the top of my head. They were flowing, and I stopped at four. 
I bet you without any problem I could write down, I could get 50 examples of what I'm about to read for you. But here's a few examples of the New Testament telling us that we must do our part if we want to grow. How about this? Work out your own salvation, for it is God which worketh in you. Or this, lay hold on eternal life. That's not talking about salvation. It's talking about the quality of your life once you get to heaven. Or how about this? Giving all diligence add to your faith. There's some stuff I got to do if I want to grow. Or this, ye are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You can rest assured God is trying to do his part of working mightily in you. So you will grow if you will do your part in this four-part process. Nobody can prevent your growth but you. Stop blaming your lack of growth on somebody else. You and God are a team. God's going to do his part. Other people can interfere. They can try to stop you. Satan Satan surely is going to try to stop you. But if he succeeds, it won't be because he's so great. It's because you didn't stay abiding in Christ and letting him work mightily in you and then you doing your part of striving according as he's worked mightily in you. Pastor, why isn't it working for me? Are you grieving the Spirit? So that when the Spirit of God tells you to do something, you can't even hear him. Because maybe your heart is filled with bitterness. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a habit of blaming everybody. Be very careful of every time something goes, well, if she would just, well, if he would just, well, if they would just, you're grieving the Spirit. Are you grieving the Spirit? Or are you filling your life with God's Word? Notice I didn't say, did you read your Bible today? Check mark. No. Are you filling your life with God's Word? big difference between the two why isn't it working for me are you in daily prayer fellowship with God I didn't ask you did you pray through your prayer list I believe in prayer list I have one I just upgraded it the other day it's more productive than it's ever been praise the Lord but are you in daily prayer fellowship with him have you talked to him at all thus far today Did you wake up this morning and somewhere in the first 10 minutes go, God, I love you. Oh, thank you for another day. Thank you that it's not nine degrees all the time. (laughs) Why isn't it working for me? Are you actively striving to bring people to Jesus? Now, wait, did you see? It's right there in those verses. Did you see? It's part of the process. It's part of the process, bringing other people. I'm talking about bringing your own kids closer to the Lord every day. It's part of the process of you being closer to the Lord. But because we consider that extracurricular activity, well, that's just for you know pastors and, and fanatics. Nope. It's part of the process of your growth. And if you're not striving to bring other people close to Jesus, you're not going to grow like you should. 
Part one, God works in me mightily. Part two, as God works in me mightily, I keep on striving. Part three, I labor to be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. Part four, I strive to become perfect in Christ by laboring to help others become perfect in Christ. That's one through four. Let's read it four through one like Paul said it. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, this morning... Please help me. I'm asking you, Lord, for me.